0: Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. It's Friday. That means it's the crystal clear edition of the podcast starring our own Bill Crystal. And this episode of the Daily Standard is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Because everyone deserves a great night's sleep, get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash TWS and entering promo code TWS. And Bill Crystal is traveling this week, so I'm sure he did not enjoy the luxury of a Casper mattress wherever he has been sleeping as of late. Bill, where do we track you down?
1: You track me down outside Cleveland or I gave a lunch talk to uh, Republicans out here in Cuyahoga County. And I'm going to say that the Cleveland Airport Hotel, which wasn't bad and I'm not complaining, but it probably did not have the high-quality mattresses you're talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, Casper mattresses are pretty cool. We're going to talk more about that, uh, how they come straight to your home. It's so very, very cool. And you're in uh, My my Lovely Bride. Buttercup is from uh, Shaker Heights and Beechwood, that I am, area there. I am
1: one, one sur- suburb over from there. And it's interesting out here. The uh, Ohio Republicans, they're in the middle of so many things. You know, it's such a big state now, obviously, with Trump having won it and Senate race in 2018. Uh, interesting. Uh, it was, I, I like doing these trips partly because it's— fun to see some old friends and, give a little talk, but actually listening to intelligent people kind of give their take on where things are from outside the Beltway doesn't hurt. I don't want to overdo it. I don't <laughs> like getting outside the Asala corridor too often. You know, it's, it's a little disruptive to me. I'm a little confused. I don't know if right. these places like out here are on Central Time or Eastern Time. It's very confusing. Nonetheless, you know, occasionally it's good. I've been in Michigan right. and Ohio this week. I feel like I'm, you know, hanging wow. out here in middle America.
0: You're, you're hanging out in all the places that Hillary Clinton should have been hanging out about uh, six, seven months ago. Did you stop by Corky and Lenny's Deli? while you were there i love corky and lenny's
1: so we had a wonderful two meals i had at corky and lenny's De- De- deli during the cleveland oh. uh during the republican convention here in cleveland with steve hayes and john mccormick and i had to explain to them what all these <laughs> slightly odd sounding <laughs> things from you know new york yes. deli world were that was amusing mm. um you don't really have mayonnaise or butter on your corned beef sandwich that was that took <laughs> that was a little bit of a, that made it a get their heads around that you know yes but, no, we. I didn't have a chance. It's been a quick trip. I didn't have much of a chance mm. to see anything except the hotel ballroom I'm in mean, now, where I where I just uh, had this uh, spoke at this nice I w- event. And-
0: I will wash your car for you if you can bring me a brisket wrap from Corky and Lenny's, which my lovely bride, who happens to be Jewish, had to introduce me to all that stuff. I kept looking around. Where's the gravy? But that's another you story. TSA,
1: you think TSA will be fine and leave, <laughs> be in the brisket? I don't know.
0: <laughs> you know. You'll have to have two. One to give the TSA just so it'll yeah, let you through, course. and the good other course. one to go through. Well, we're going to talk more about, actually about uh, how you eat on the in the airport. People, I'm always fascinated by the choices people make when they travel, and we're going to get to that in a second. I also want to get your take on how Trump voters are feeling uh, at this point in the Trump presidency. But they have something, I think, to cheer, Bill Kristol. There was a win when the Republicans passed the Obamacare repeal through the House. Yes?
1: Yes. I mean, I would not have started with it. I think the strategy, the political strategy, and to some degree the policy are, are flawed. And we'll see what happens now. Of course, the Senate's going to write its own bill. Having said that, once they came back and decided to really try to muscle it through, they had to win in the sense that the win uh, at least shows that the Republicans can get their act together. It's a victory for President Trump, but also really for Speaker Ryan. I think it would have been pretty disastrous if they had sort of made a second run up the hill and fallen short. And again, the main thing is they avoided a really disastrous defeat that could have set them back. And now they at least have shown they can win, whether even if health care doesn't end up making it, I think it's led, led a predicate for moving ahead on other issues like tax reform.
0: Yeah, I also think that this argument that was leading up to the vote about oh, the worst thing the Republicans could do is pass this bill. It's an unpopular bill. People are going to hate it. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you're telling me that they're going to lose the House of 2018 if they pass the bill. And so they should do nothing, abandon their base, have a complete failure and lose the House in 2018. I never saw the, how one actually beats the other one.
1: Well, and look, I mean, I, I have problems with the bill as a sort of policy matter. We'll see what the Senate does. As I say that's going to be complicated. The Senate House jostling. It'll give the hours of entertaining talk by insiders, I suppose, like me and, and, and interviewing congressmen and senators about who's going to which body will defer to which if they can get something through the through the Senate. But. At the end of the day, results will matter. I mean, It's sort of a liberal media myth that Obamacare was unpopular because, you know, it was the the, the opponents did a good job of demonizing it or criticizing it. No, Obamacare was unpopular. There's an awful lot of people saw the real world results and were unhappy with those results. This bill, honestly, it's so confusing and complicated and there's so much federalism in it that I think it's going to be pretty unclear what the results of it are in 20, by October, November 2018. I doubt if it's going to be a radical improvement, frankly, in our health insurance or health care. But I also doubt that it's going to be a radical uh, uh, decrease in quality or, or, or worsening of cost of health insurance. And I kind of think it may end up just being, for all the drama right now, it might end up being a wash. On policy terms, one thing that's been underreported on this bill, it's a pretty big step towards federalism. The the block granting of Medicaid to the states, if that holds in the Senate and there's further federalist provisions because the states get to decide which of the uh, some of the uh, essential health benefits, which ones to waive, which means they get sort of restored some of their power of insurance. I think that's an interesting model for the future. If you need to get your conservatives, and your moderates together uh, on a bill, maybe you tell them, hey, look, if you come from a state like Ohio, where John Kasich expanded Medicaid and probably wants to mandate more benefits than conservatives like me would like, fine, you go ahead and do it. Let us, and do, you do that and let us do something different in, in South Carolina. And I think it's a way, as a political strategy, federalism may turn out to be more important uh, to Republican success over the next few years than, than anyone much has talked about. Certainly, it's not something Donald Trump, I don't know, does he ever use the word federalism? I'm not so sure he, he knows what it means. Maybe we should tell him that Andrew Jackson talked about it some, and he'll <laughs> he'll pick up on that thing. But I actually wonder whether you couldn't have similar ways of bridging the gap using getting power and money back to the states you know in other areas
0: the scene of paul ryan and president trump standing there together in the rose garden looking so happy and some of the members the key members of the freedom caucus standing around them i wonder bill crystal we haven't seen the launching of a new bromance between president trump Republican leaders in the House and the Freedom Caucus, who, let's face it, used to be the kind of geeky kids in the back of the Republican cafeteria. Nobody liked them. They they were in their own little weird, you know, ideological club and they stomped and yelled and they would ruin the party for everyone else. I I wouldn't be surprised if they don't discover that life's pretty good when you're on board and you're getting patted on the back and suddenly the president wants to help you out with your local issues back home. They could get used to being the cool kids, I think
1: it could i mean i think what's most likely to happen is the senate will write a different bill it'll probably i guess squeak through with you know 50 republican votes or something like that and then they cannot go to conference to a conference committee, I don't think, and work it out. They're going to just tell the House at that point, hey, look, we cobbled this together. The Senate's tougher than the House. You guys take our bill. At that point, that bill is likely to be more moderate, quote unquote, than the bill that passed the House um, and they fund Planned Parenthood and so forth. And that will be a tough vote for the Freedom Caucus, guys. I think you're right. They've sort of seen that it's better to win than to be the obstacle to winning, even though I – respect them for the reasons they didn't support the bill earlier. But it will be the dynamic over the next few months, the, the implications for the future of the party, the balance of power between moderates and conservatives, between backbench and leaders, leaders between Congress and the president. All those things are very much in flux, I think.
0: The Freedom Caucus is going to find a way to stick with Trump because we've gone past ideology. And it's amazing how quickly the ideology went away, Bill <laughs> Crystal. <laughs> And straight on to join the Trump train. I like winning because it means winning. And uh, that yeah, brings look, to
1: And It's not unreasonable. I mean, if, if you're, you know, if you're a conservative, you probably think to yourself, I could insist on this or that. But at the end of the day, the more important thing is that this be a successful presidency, a successful Congress, that we not lose control. We Republicans, what they're thinking, not lose control of the House. They can complain all they want. But a Paul Ryan run house is a heck of a lot different from Nancy Pelosi run house.
0: Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of conversation that the House is essentially lost already that the natural natural trend of voters after you know one party takes power in Congress and the White House added with the kind of a nitrous oxide in the tank of Democrats of the hatred of Trump. You put those two together and it's going to be really hard for the Republicans to hold on to their majority in Congress. Do you believe that?
1: I think it's kind of 50-50. I think a lot depends on Trump's popularity. I mean, I, I, the political scientists have looked at this, and one of the best predictors of how many seats the party in power loses if the president and the House are controlled by the same party as they are is the president's approval rating. And if he, where he is right now is sort of on the bubble, I would say. If I lose some seats, they may not lose enough to lose the House. If he gets more unpopular, they're in deep trouble. If he can boost his rating some, uh, they could be in pretty good shape. And there, I think Trump has big opportunities it's not his style to reach out and to do things that uh, are bipartisan, or at least look like they are bipartisan. But he really, um, at the base, is going to stay with Trump. I don't, I don't think he needs to worry quite as much about that as he does. And if I were advising him, I would say find ways to win over some skeptical Trump supporters, but also people who set out the election or may have didn't maybe didn't vote for you, because you, you need to take that number up a little bit in terms of his approval.
0: Uh, approval? I have to say, Bill, I read your piece of the standard uh today and i mean it was it's kind of hard, hard to find a lot of approval here a public life with occasional cringeworthy moments has been replaced by one that is on the whole cringeworthy a generation of self-regarding and self-indulgent baby boomers is about to be succeeded by a generation of apparently self-absorbed and self-referential millennials
1: i I'm read this whole cheerful th- i don't know you're such a sour michael you know i mean i'm no, I, I actually I did see one tweet that said, "Hey, upbeat editorial by Bill <laughs> I thought, "Maybe they're reading last week's or two weeks ago's issue." I don't know. I, what I'm saying is, it's 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 not great. I mean, look, you can like Trump or just like Trump, but it's very hard to look at America today. I think this is the political system is doing great. It's really healthy. The voters are healthy, the, are, are are happy and satisfied. The public is in good shape. You have this bitterly divisive politics. You have people being shouted down to campuses. You have Trump as president doing his own thing. Uh, you have 45 percent of the votes going in 2016 on the Democratic side for Bernie Sanders and, the, and on the Republican side for Trump. It just seems to be pretty easy to say it's not a great moment in American history right now. It doesn't mean we can't get make it through and get some good things done. But I wanted in this editorial to begin pointing towards after Trump. I do think that's something I'm going to at least, uh, I'm not, everyone else will, we'll all cover Trump and the Weekly Standard and everyone else will too. But it's also worth thinking about, there will be a Republican party, and a conservative movement after Trump, there will be fights to fight. And, and, and some of those fights go on, even though Trump is president, he's not necessarily involved in the budget. Uh, I was speaking out here uh, to the Federal Society in Michigan a couple of nights ago, and uh, maybe think about the Federal Society's role over the last 30 years and obviously the nomination and confirmation of Justice Gorsuch. And I made the obvious point, but hadn't really thought that much about it. I mean, Trump owes a lot to the Federal Society, and the Federal Society is not a Trump phenomenon. It's not a, a one-term phenomenon. It's an institution built over three decades now by conservative uh, law professors and lawyers and law students, and it really has proven itself here in being able to help staff the Trump administration on the legal side, find good people for federal courts and state courts, and now you know, a good nominee for Supreme Court justice who, had a good, who did well and a good fight for confirmation, which, which, uh, which uh, Gorsuch and Trump won. So I try to get people to think a little more about the broader issues here. We're also, Trump takes up so much of the oxygen in the room, but there's a lot of other stuff going on sort of on the side of Trump and, then, as I say, in the editorial after Trump.
0: I, I'm trying to think of what moment in history as I look at the development of small government ideas, of of uh, individual liberty ideas, what moment I can look to to, you know, to cling to and say, okay, the things you believe in, Michael, have been there before. Is there a moment where we have seen the yeah, equivalent of, an, and to quote your column again, navigating an environment in which conservatism is adrift and liberalism has gone off the rails?
1: You know, I wonder, I mean, think of Bill Buckley in 1955 with the National Review, he had a Republican, uh, Eisenhower's not like Trump, but he had a Republican president who was non-ideological, a Democratic Party that hadn't really got off the rails, but that was certainly liberal and committed to the Roosevelt agenda. And Buckley said, wait a second, there's an alternative. And, you know, it took a long time and, and a lot of stuff that Buckley thought about might be done, couldn't end up being done. But, I think it is important to step back sometimes and not say, oh, well, gee, it's 1955, there's only two choices, Eisenhower Republicanism or, you know, Atlee Stevenson uh, Democratic Party. People on the left have been good at pushing the envelope and saying, wait a second, I don't care about right now. Ten years from now, we could change America in this way or that. So most of those changes maybe haven't been that good, but they certainly succeeded in that. We probably conservatives need to think a little more boldly in that way.
0: Before we talk about your travels, Bill, as I mentioned, this episode of The Daily Standard is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. They have revolutionized the mattress industry because they go straight to you it is i gotta tell you the casper model of business is phenomenal instead of you schlepping your way to some mattress store and laying on a mattress for like a minute oh not yeah, even a minute like a few seconds you're kind of creepy laying on mattresses in front of people what casper does is they basically bring the mattress to you you go online at casper you find a mattress that's just right for you. They're made of supportive memory foam for a sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, it's breathable design, sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. And then Casper delivers the mattress right to your door. And I know what you're thinking. That makes no sense. How do you do it? trust me? When you get the mattress, when you get the box and you look at it, you're gonna go, wow, my mattress is in there. And then you're gonna open the box. It's so simple. And whammo, you're going to have this amazing mattress to try for 100 days. And that's the key. You get 100 days, not a minute or 30 seconds laying down on a mattress in a store in front of people. 100 days to figure out if this is the right mattress for you. And Casper mattresses are made right here in the U.S. of A. Hear that, Donald Trump? Free shipping and returns. You can save an additional $50 toward a mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash TWS and entering the promo code TWS. That's casper.com slash TWS promo code TWS terms and conditions apply. And so as you boldly go out in this uh, America full of off the rails, Democrats and adrift uh, conservatives, what does it look like on the ground in the Trump States you've been traveling in?
1: And I've spoken to sort of conservative ish and Republican ish audiences uh, and mixed and mingle with them and uh, quite a bit and tried to listen to them. And I guess what I'm struck by is if you're in Washington, if you're a critic of Trump, as I've been, uh, uh, you you know, you're, that you're a critic. That's what people label you. If you're a defender of Trump, as uh, many other conservatives have been, that's your label that way. And probably people get pushed a little further in those directions because so much of the debate is, is a debate and, and you sort of have an investment if you're defending Trump to sort of defend him all the time, maybe the opposite for those of us who've been critics. You know, out here in, in America, it's a, people are much, in a way, much more sensible. They're much more hard-headed. They're less invested in some particular thing they wrote six months ago or said nine months ago, obviously. And so there, I'm struck how many people, I'd say I've been speaking to the type of voters who were, who voted for Trump, but who are kind of reluctant Trump voters. And they strike me as being Trump supporters now, but guarded and reluctant Trump supporters. I think the world is much less dramatically divided into Trump haters and Trump lovers. I mean, there's God knows there are plenty of them in the country, but there's an important swing uh, sector of the country. You know, I think probably a little more upper middle class and kind of people who live in these suburbs that are swing districts, though, in, in 2018 and states that are swing districts, Michigan and Ohio, or states Trump carried that have Democratic senators on the ballot in 2018. And these people are They hope Trump succeeds, partly as Americans, but partly as Republicans. Uh, They like some things he's done, but they remain nervous about other things. It's very much more indeterminate, I would say, than the impression one has in the Beltway, where it's sort of the size of just totally, you know, it's trench warfare.
0: So the debate goes on, the pro-Trump, anti-Trump debate goes on. But what's the mood when you talk to people who either voted for Trump or who tried to be friendly towards Trump? What kind of mood are they in? Are they are they feeling better about things in the White House and with the Republicans in Washington, D.C.? I
1: think most Republicans feel a little better than they expected, especially the Trump skeptics. There is some Trump. i talked to a couple of people who were very enthusiastic about Trump who were a little worried that, well, where's this big change coming? And that's something down the road obviously trump supporters and republicans have to worry about it. if he doesn't bring big change in three years it could be a pretty big snapback but i'm struck how interested people are in what's happening how much they're following politics uh, how detailed the questions I've, i got at these these are big public speeches you know and the questions were not the general what do you think about this it was sort of a who's up and who's down what about jared kushner you know mike warren has a piece and uh, someone had already seen what mike warren's piece in the new weekly standard on him and what did i think about him and so it really is um i think for better or worse, Trump Sanders, the chaos, the, the the sense that things are in flux, that are they're indeterminate, have really stimulated interest in washington and interest in politics you know a lot of the time people out here and people everywhere look at the political thing and it's sort of like you know things are kind of set in a certain direction there's stable majorities certain issues around the table no one thinks you can make much of a difference if you're you know a businessman in cleveland ohio but that is not the situation now everything's up in the air both parties are kind of up in the air There are all these elections coming up that no one knows what's going to happen I am struck by the the amount of engagement in politics. I think that's that's a healthy thing.
0: And that's what you get to see as you travel around the country, which means you're traveling a lot in airports, which means soon you'll be dragged off of a United Airlines flight. We're all looking forward to that. Bill can't wait to see the that's clips.
1: And uh, you spend I lot- get a multi tens of millions of dollars settlement, I'll <laughs> I'll consent to the <laughs> ten minutes of being dragged out. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's, where do you eat? in airports I'm a, I'm a foodie and i'm always looking for the best best place to go and airport food can be awfully depressing how do you survive in airports all the traveling that you
1: do well, it can be depressing and if you're trying to watch you know what you eat and your weight which i certainly need to do it's of course very difficult airports are not well set up for that um of all the big chains uh, i like chilies i mostly am loyal to chilies because <laughs> one of our daughters worked there for two or maybe three summers ah. and I could, we got treated well when she was the uh uh, I don't know the hostess, I guess they called it in right. this suburban chilies near us where we live. And I think my son worked there for one summer. So, but I've always found them pretty reliable and pretty pleasant. And I do think it is nice in an airport. I mean, obviously I've used the food courts like everyone else and that's usually where one ends up. But if you can sit down and, and sort of relax and, you know, read something and have someone actually bring you your food, um, as opposed to trying to balance it in one hand with your bag and the other as you stagger to some table in a food court. That's always a nice break. So I indulge myself in a, an occasional, uh, Chili at Chili's at the airport.
0: <laughs> well, um, my dad loves Chili's because he gets the baby back ribs there every time. Yeah, and those are good. Yeah, yeah, he calls great. it the rib place. But if you can ever possibly fly through New Orleans, the airport out there, they've got real places, including a Copeland's Gourmet Kitchen, which you can get some real food. You can even get beignets at the airport in New Orleans, which is great.
1: You know, I'm just a man of the people. Unlike <laughs> you, I'm satisfied with the Chili at Chili's and the pizza at Sparrow's. I'm, but if you want to... A- <laughs> <laughs> kind of just do a gourmet tour of elitist uh, establishments at fancy airports you go right ahead
0: and there's a memphis barbecue place at the airport that's really good too uh,
1: you and i spend yeah. too much time in airports yes yes that's, we that's, certainly that's do conclusion. and
0: that's we've good. spent too much time in this podcast we gotta let you go bill crystal thanks so much for joining us we appreciate your time my pleasure Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Daily Standard Podcast. You can find all our podcasts at weeklystandard.com or better still, just subscribe to them at iTunes or Google Play by searching Weekly Standard. When you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode of the Daily Standard, including our special features, the Confab every weekend and Crystal Clear every Friday. Plus, you can leave reviews of the podcast and let people know that you found content that you enjoy. Don't enjoy it? Have a question, comment, or complaint? Just email podcasts at weeklystandard.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Michael Graham.